You're listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Running Thursday, July 5th through Sunday, July 8th at picturesque Birds Hill Park, Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Michael Ells, host of Thank God It's Free Range, and this episode spotlights Mama Kin Spender. A collaboration between Australian artists Daniel Caruana, a.k.a. Mama Kin, and Tommy Spender, this is a stripped-back duo of booting guitars, primal drums, and howling harmonies augmented by a chorus of volunteer singers at each stop. The band's latest is Golden Magnetic. Mama Kin Spender will be performing on the main stage on Thursday, July 5th at 7.20 p.m. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times to purchase tickets, and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca. Give me a pen before he changes his mind. I sign my name on the dotted line. Coming to Folkfest this weekend, Daniel Caruana, a.k.a. Mama Kin of Mama Kin Spender. She joins us on the line. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. So I noticed on Facebook you posted a, a thing about uh, kind of coming out as Mama Kin uh, yeah. just nine and a half years ago at the Commodore Ballroom. And uh, yep. I'm curious about, I'm always curious about an artist who decides to kind of go under a moniker rather than their own name and what kind of decision making leads into that. So maybe let's start with that and and kind of where you were at almost 10 years ago. Well, 10 years ago, I was still completely petrified about the idea of sharing any of my creative expression with with an audience. Um, But it got to sort of a crucial point where the energy it was taking to kind of keep my creative self-suppressed was having sort of adverse reaction, uh, adverse results um, in my personal life. And so I kind of had to step out and do it, but I was still had a lot of anxiety around it. I had recorded a body of work with my brother and um, he had joking, we had talked about making a project together called Kin. And, um, and two days into the recording process, I found out I was pregnant with my second child and he, he called me the Mama Kin. And uh, so the name kind of stuck. And when it came time to actually stepping out onto the stage, I just didn't feel like I could come out as Danielle Caruana because the Danielle Caruana I knew was was, um, really scared and petrified. And I had to 
put on a brave face, and Mama Kim was my brave face. So, is it is it sort of like armor or a costume or like what what do you view it as sort of psychologically to kind of come out on stage under yeah, a different name? It was it was it was costume. Um, I wore clothes that I would not usually wear in my everyday life. I wore makeup. I wore nail polish. I did things that I, I didn't usually do, and I did it all to kind of. Uh, it was theatre. It was theatre. I had to kind of embody something else to be able to do this thing that was felt like the most personal. I mean, the irony of it, it was, is that I was I was expressing the most personal part of myself, but I couldn't do it as myself. I know that sounds so so really strange, but um, I needed a, a guiding hand in there, and I suppose Mama Kim was that for me. So you're saying like the material itself that you had written was revealing and personal yeah. of Danielle. Yep. But you needed Mama to kind of be the person to deliver it? Yeah, it was almost like a coming of age, an act of coming of age in some way where it was like um, I needed to embody this part of my feminine that I wasn't really practiced in embodying, um, particularly on a stage. And the theatre of Mama Kin gave me the space to, to do it. It was like one step, just one step removed. Um, and slowly over the years, uh, we've become the one person, really. And, um, yeah, it's been an interesting process. But I look back now and, you know, it kind of, it wasn't as conscious as I realised. It was, it was a subconscious decision at the time. Um, and I look back now and think, oh, wow, I really kind of, Mama Kin kind of held my hand and brought me forward. Did having that persona allow you to kind of write outside yourself, kind of going forward? Like, like, did you find that some of the material that you were able to tackle, you know, not necessarily that first batch of songs, but like later on, it gave you kind of some some leeway? No, um, I always I've always written from a very very personal place, and <clears throat> so I thought the writing was always from the space of Danielle Caruana. Okay. Uh, it was just it was just the performance space, yeah. That's kind of that I used the Mummy Kin thing for. And, you know, I, I allowed myself different licenses on stage that I think I would have um, had I just come out as Danielle Caruana. I kind of, I did, I did, some part of me did create a character of sorts. But the character was still a part of me. It was just the part that I was trying to uh, embolden in some way. So then, moving from Mama Kin to then Mama Kin Spender, where you hook up with with Tommy Spender, how did how did that materialize? Uh, so Tommy and I have been friends for some eighteen years, and um, we were both in a creative uh, lull of sorts. We were feeling a little bit disenchanted with how to, uh, as far as how to move forward in, in in both of our creative careers, and we were um, kind of unpacking that together as friends and as peers. And we just got to a point where we just were having this conversation about needing to boil it down to its most simple form and get back to the thing that we love the very most about what we do, and that was um, writing songs and performing them in, in simple ways uh, with people that we love. And then we kind of had this light bulb moment around doing a project together. Uh, and interestingly, the next light bulb moment we had was that we were going to create work as a duo, and then wherever possible, we perform it with choirs. So um, not not on this Canadian run, but we're looking forward to coming back to Canada next year. And as we do in Australia, we, we actually engage local choirs everywhere we go, up to 16 to 24-piece choirs. Um, we work on the material six weeks into our, 
us coming into a place. Mm. And we then arrive with our own choir master and we then perform. The idea is that we perform with the sound of a place. But in the meantime, we, we also perform the work as a duo. I play drums, Tommy plays guitar and we sing um, the songs in shared harmony. And it's been a, a fantastic balm, a soothing, a soothing uh, ointment and just the medicine we were both needing in our creative processes. So in terms of the material that you guys write together, is it like shared lyrics, shared music, or are you each kind of bringing portions of things to each other, or how, how does that work out? Each song varies. Um, some songs we get into a room and we just co-write from scratch, and other songs we bring to each other um, and then sort of put on the operating table and rework. We did something called, um, there's a thing in Australia called the I Heart Songwriting Club, which is an online, because Tommy and I live some 6,000 kilometres away from each other. Right. Um, it's an online platform that runs for, that, where this uh, woman, Francesca Divalad, puts 10 writers together for 10 weeks. And over that 10 weeks, you're given a one-word prompt per week. And every writer writes a song in response to that one word, but they have to do it within an hour. And whatever they write in that hour, they post up for the critiquing of the other nine writers. And it's a, a really kind of uh, at first harrowing process and but a great way of letting go of a sort of attachment to everything you write having to be sort of immediately perfect and mm. so we did it as a sort of songwriting exercise thinking that we would just be getting our fitness up and when we did get into the room we would be able to you know we'd have good sort of tools that are ready but actually a lot of the a lot of the song ideas that we created over that time at the end of 10 weeks we had 20 song ideas between us a lot of the material actually ended up making it through to the final cut of the album after we'd reworked together. So it was a great tool for kind of getting song ideas for us. Right. Now, material-wise, like, is is there a distinction between Mamakin and Mamakin Spender in terms of, like, the songs that you write as, a, as an individual? Like, do you feel like there are certain ones that really only work under your own name and, and some that are more collaborative or shared? Uh, right now, everything I'm writing is towards the project of Mamakin Spender, and, um, but I still write like when I'm writing, I'm bringing my full self to it, and it's not. I'm not sort of uh, writing with a particular, um, you know, like I'm not sort of uh, sequestering it and or, or filtering it to be mummikin spender um, material. I'm just writing what I feel like writing right now, and then I suppose in the production, the arrangement, we may sort of adjust it a little bit accordingly. But the songs are. You know, my songs are my songs and what I feel like writing right now. And I feel like uh, writing this material and I feel like recording it and performing it with Tommy Spender. So it's, it's just where I'm at right now. It's absolutely where I'm at in my creative process. Speaking of creative process, you did a, a podcast series inside the Golden Magnetic, kind of breaking down individual songs on on the latest record. I'm curious yeah. about what that process was like for you and, and was it like revealing to you as the creator to kind of explore your your work in that way oh uh, yeah i really enjoyed it it was a great it was a great thing to do after making the album it can be such a sort of internal process but then to have to explain that um it's really fun tommy and i have a great uh rapport between us we're, as i said we're, we're old friends um and we take great joy in uh <laughs> in being comedic with each other so it was an opportunity to sort of uh, to have some fun, and then just to also Tommy's a, a great producer, and he he really brings a great uh, production sensibility to the podcast as far as kind of um, you know explaining 
how different musical elements uh, are used to create a feeling, or or what we you know how we arrived at a particular decision. Um, yeah, it was it was a really great process. We've had great feedback on the, on that podcast as far as our fans um, feeling like they got a whole other sense of uh, what the songs have embedded in them. You know, and when I perform, when we perform live, I'm a storyteller, so I like to kind of give a little bit of that background anyway. But to be able to give that background on a production sense as well, to go deeper on it, yeah, it was really, it was a really fun process. Coming out of that process, it, it, did it reveal anything to you as a, as a as a creator about kind of like going forward what what works for you or what kinds of mechanisms are maybe subconscious that you should bring to the fore? It's a great question. Um, I think consciously no, but I think subconsciously when I look back across all of the albums I've made, every one of them has equipped me with a new new uh, set of skills and. Um, this album, I was more involved in the production than any other album, and I feel moving forward that that will affect my um, my songwriting uh, or even just my sketching uh, of what I do after I've written my songs. So I think it sort of brought my, my production sensibilities more to the fore. So I think moving forward, that's what will be more developed um, moving forward. Right. Uh, so the Golden Magnetic is obviously kind of the, the crux of what you're touring, but are you guys kind of dipping into back catalogue as well over the course of this uh, jaunt? Uh, no, we're really just focusing on this album. It's, it's, it's so particular. As I said, I play drums and Tommy plays guitar, and the songs are so of us. Um, that that's really what we're performing right now. It's, it's been going down a treat. It's an amazing experience to sort of come into a territory. We've been touring with the John Butler Trio, uh, to be coming into a territory and playing for audiences that aren't really our own and and really switching people on with a body of work that they've never heard, so just as a duo. So it's it's working, and it's really it's really encouraging. It's a great sort of bolster for us because um, we're keen to sort of get back into the studio and get back into writing. So it feels good to see the material is translating not just to our own fans but to new fans. So, yeah, it's exciting to be over here testing it out. <laughs> Now you say to get back into the studio, are you already working on new material? Uh, well, get back into the studio and start writing again. Okay. Yeah, we, are, we have started working on new material, yes. Now, uh, you're touring uh, with with your family, as I understand it. Yeah, John, John Butler is my husband, and we're currently on the road together. We're opening up for him, but we've got both of our kids on the road. Yeah, as um, you- Tommy had Tommy had his wife and two kids on the road for a couple of weeks as well. It's definitely a family affair. As far as kind of carving out time to to do family stuff while you're kind of, you know, required to play these shows and and, and do the work of touring, how do you manage that? Our kids have been touring with us since they were in in nappies, in diapers. So um, it's kind of, it's quite organic. We sort of just roll around each other and we grab moments as we can and where we can and we make an adventure where possible and we drop down into... um, into sort of the different spaces when we when we need to, uh, and we kind of get our own space as well. Um, we've got uh, my daughter's fifteen now, and our son's eleven, so it's so so different than it used to be. And they're at home with the band and the crew in a way that you know, John and I often look over at them and go, "Oh, look, they're just kind of." Just yesterday, we were, our eleven-year-old was watching the World Cup with 
you know, three band members and two crew members from his band, and they're all sort of sitting up there watching it. And we're like, this is the life they have. You know, they're kind of circus kids in a way. So um, as much as we try and carve family time out with each other, we also really um, encourage them to be part of the greater community of, of our touring family. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's bigger than just the four of us. This is what you refer to as like the micro and macro choices in your uh, Facebook post about the, the family? Yeah, the micro and macro choices is about who we sort of, who we surround ourselves with, how we tour, um, how often I tour, um, how I take care of myself, you know, my own sort of regimes around meditation and exercise and self-care and, yeah, they're the micro and the macro choices. Yeah. They make a big difference. They make a big difference to everyday life and who I bring to the table. That, that ability to be self-regulated um, is, is everything. And to know what I need and to know how to ask for it and to know how to give it to myself. You know, like the, that's been a huge process of becoming an adult for me. Right. A real adult. <laughs> uh, so speaking of choices, I want to get you to pick a track off of the record that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking that song or an anecdote about it, I'd love to hear that. Uh, I'm going to get you to play The Air Between Us. Um, and, oh, maybe I'll get you to play Underground. Oh, now I don't know which one. Do we you can, have a favorite? We could do both if you want. You we could do both if you pick. Okay. Just give us sure, a story yeah. about both of those then. Yeah, okay. Well, Underground is a song I wrote after listening to a podcast about this uh, underground network of fungus called mycelium. And I'm struck by, I was struck by the intelligence systems and all the things we don't know. But as a metaphor, I was struck by this idea of the unseen ways that we love each other, the unseen ways that we reach out to each other, um, and that if you tap into these unseen sources, you can feel very close to people that might feel very, very far away. And for me, I'm often, I live either on the road or, or even when I'm at home, I live very far away from my um, extended family unit. So this song was just... Um, Safe travels uh, on on the road, and, and thank you for taking some time out of your day, Danielle. Thank you so much for your time, and thanks for all your research. I really appreciate such a thoughtful interview. Thank you so much. We wake up holding hands as a crack in the curtain, and the light splashes your sleeping face. I breathe you in, you're all sawdust and smoke And I smile at the promise of another day with you Birds out 
outside and the wind and the leaves all conspire in a fabulous chorus. I found you, I found you, I found you, I found you, I found you. There is a future in the air between us. Something I never got to hold. Passing reflection on the window wall. There is a future in the air between us.
and you've been listening to a special podcast spotlighting Mummakin Spender. We'll be performing on Thursday, July 5th at 7.20 p.m. at the main stage of Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event running July 5th through 8th at Birds Hill Park. Underground.